0: I live in the Tenderloin and it was really cool to, to come into that part of the city where it still feels a lot more authentic and the word gentrification is such a dirty word in San Francisco but um, Because of the politics around the city, I feel like it it feels very authentic.
1: (laughs) That was Melinda Uno of the Tenderloin Museum. I'm Jeff, and this is Story at San Francisco. This episode kicks off Season 2 of the podcast. Every week, you'll hear from bartenders, photographers, musicians, doctors, lawyers, small business owners, and other San Franciscans, telling stories and responding to the question, what is it about this place? Welcome to episode one. Melinda talks about what she loves about San Francisco and the Tenderloin. She shares the story of opening the Tenderloin Museum and talks about why the neighborhood is so important to her and to the city. Here's Melinda.
0: My experience in San Francisco, it's really Defined by the relationships I've made here and the people that I've met and it's really beautiful um, Just in terms of those connections and so I guess my own story is kind of an extension of that and Living in the Bay Area for so long living in the East Bay moving to San Francisco. You really get a sense for What kind of community you're drawn to and the beauty of San Francisco is that there's so much here and I think in finding my community of people, I, I learn a lot more about myself. And I think that the people that I'm drawn to the most are are the people that are artists, that are making things happen, that are not necessarily living that sort of traditional American dream vibe that I think is pushed on us, yeah. especially um, my generation. Um, we're sort of seeing the decline or the, I don't want to say the death of the American dream because that's really morbid, Um, but just in terms of the idea of having a house and having kids and uh, the age that I'm at now where a lot of my peers are moving on to those kind of major milestones, I feel like San Francisco is really beautiful because in a way you can either embrace or prolong or completely uh, resist that idea of what it means to be a successful or what it means to be a good parent, what it means to be an artist. I think the redefinition of those categories is really important to San Francisco and important to myself as well. I first visited San Francisco when I was 11, 10, 11. My sister went to college at Berkeley and I just remember it being so, so, so cold and it was August and coming from San Diego. We literally didn't pack any cold weather clothing at all, and of course, it's very typical to have the tourists just in the flannel that they buy at Fisherman's Wharf. So I just remember being really captivated by the freshness, and obviously that has something to do with it being a marine city, but also just, um, it seemed very active and lively and exciting, but not overwhelmingly big and um, imposing in the way that certain cities can feel. So I think one of the reasons why I came back to San Francisco was my sister was close, I went to college at Berkeley, but I think that the history and the architecture and the whole kind of misfit scene where we have the history of the Castro and the mission and just looking at the politics of the Bay Area, I think and it's so diverse and at the same time it's definitely I guess alternative for lack of a better word and I think the reason why I am drawn to it so much is that there is a place for people that traditionally have felt like they haven't been able to fit in with whatever the conventional values are at the time. I think also The idea of being able to be who you are and be comfortable in your own skin um, and the way that translates into the arts community here and the way that the businesses um, build their models here. It's very much about embracing diversity. It's very much about exploring. It's very much about individuality and also I think just establishing yourself as a little bit unique and different from everybody else. It's something that I personally really am drawn to and I really feel very lucky to be here and after traveling kind of, you know, not all over the world but traveling a bit I'm always drawn back to San Francisco because there's so much here for, for myself and for everybody that you really don't finish exploring it, even when you think you have. And I think it's interesting going to some of the events that are very historic and definitive of San Francisco, for example, and lack of a better uh, (laughs) example, is Folsom Street Fair. And just... It's kind of shocking, and I think it's unconventional, and people are drawn to it for a number of different reasons. But I remember going a few years ago and being completely just surprised by what I had seen and then I went this year and I was like oh it's like a lot than I remember it being and I don't know if I've changed or it actually has calmed down quite a bit but um, yeah things are constantly redefining themselves people are redefining themselves here I've I've found that I've done that several times with myself and saying who am I who do I want to be in terms of a career in terms of hobbies in terms of community I think the beauty of San Francisco is that you don't really have to pick just one thing you can be so many things at once and also be your own version of that the funny thing about the tenderloin museum is i applied for the position i found out about it from just a friend of a friend and talking about what i was interested in at the time and she said oh well i think you'd be a really good fit to apply for the tenderloin museum through Um, My boss, and I think she worked for the Tenderloin Housing Clinic. Okay. Yeah, and the Tenderloin Housing Clinic, and she had just found out about the job, and so it was very much word of mouth. And this was in 2015, right before the museum opened. The Tenderloin Museum, I think, took few years to actually open right. but by the time I came on it was a few months away so it's very exciting I didn't really know anything about the history of the neighborhood Were you
1: already living in the neighborhood I was
0: visiting or? the neighborhood okay. I live there now uh, with my my partner who had been there previously okay but I just sort of stumbled upon it so to speak and the more I learned about the history of the neighborhood and the things that are happening now and the kind of values of the people that live there are I, I just I couldn't help but be completely excited about it. The Tenderloin is a historic neighborhood it has so much that has happened there that people just don't know about in terms of women's rights in terms of alternative housing means in terms of uh, social programs and in terms of the GLBT History It, it just it really a lot of things started there. The first thing I'm going to talk about with the Teneroli Museum is the idea of women's rights and individuals rights and that really came out of the housing method so it's really drawn to that and it kind of leads to everything else because when the tenderloin was really developed after the 1906 earthquake there was an alternative housing model set up called single room occupancy and it wasn't really what we know it to be today which is more of a an assisted living or a low income program it was really just The bare bones people rented a room and they had shared amenities and it was very unique because a lot of women didn't have to live with a husband or with their parents this was a place where they could work in the city a lot of them were in retail at the time
1: was that by design
0: It was by design. I don't know if it was specifically targeted toward women um, but I think that developers maybe found that there was a market for that and so even today there's an SRO, they call it a hotel, but it's really a a living space that is women's only and I'm wondering how long that that's been that way but um, it's sort of a safe space I think for, for a lot of people in a lot of ways but the SRO model has kind of evolved to allow people who normally and definitely could not live in San Francisco on their income yep. to continue to do so. So that was pretty exciting for me as as a woman to live out on my own, to like, okay, I'm so used to this and this is something that I take for granted every day, the ability to just live on my own. It was very unique and I think San Francisco was a pioneer of that. Um, and it was a place where people could just be themselves they didn't need to be attached to somebody or something else and
1: that's a huge that was a huge um or an extremely revolutionary idea then i mean i've heard i still don't know if this is true but i've heard that for so long after you know in the 1850s 1860s i don't even know how long but um i've heard oh well the only women who actually lived here were prostitutes
0: I'm sure that that was a thing. I'm sure that that was a a great way for women to monitor their own income. And the Tenderloin has a, a small exhibit about that, about women in that world and how they made the decision to go into that life. It wasn't kind of the seedy view we have of prostitution now. There were women-owned brothels. I was going to say it wasn't
1: male domes. It wasn't owned by men and run by men. Exactly.
0: Yeah, and that's kind of scary, I think, for a lot of people to think about in terms of the world's oldest profession (laughs) (laughs) being prostitution. (laughs) Um, But I think the thing that's scary, too, is that um, women are controlling their bodies. Women are in charge of their income. And I think when you make something like that illegal then governments can't tax it and so we have a lot of in San Francisco women that were maybe operating below the radar but I think everything was operating below the radar I mean prohibition was so big here Um, the the gay scene and the tenderloin was it, it was a Established well before the Castro absolutely, so I think that's pretty cool to to look at how women kind of fit into that and women's rights and and What it means to be? Autonomous as a woman. It's kind of scary because a lot of people one take that for granted and two Don't understand that a lot of the policy that's happening today really it still affects that and women's body is being regulated by the government
1: Check back tomorrow for part two, when Melinda will share the story of meeting some women motorcyclists and setting out to ride across Mexico. Music for this podcast is by Otis McDonald, a.k.a. Joe Bagale. Film photography is by Michelle Kilfeather. There are all sorts of ways to keep up with Storied San Francisco. We're on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Our website is storiedsf.com has all the episodes and a store where you can help support us by buying t-shirts, hats or koozies if you're listening on Apple Podcasts please rate and review the show it really helps us get new listeners send comments and suggestions to storiedsf at gmail.com thanks for listening